With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to the RF Sports Radio Show. We're you guys live from Dallas, Texas. Again, you can always follow us online by going to RFSportsRadio.com or following us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash RFSports. Radio. We welcome everyone to the program. Again, we're taking your live calls as well. 323-927-2906. That's 323-927-2906. Let me bring on my co-host as well. My name is Rodney Fisher. My co-host, of course, Mr. Royce Fisher. Uh, good, good evening, Rodney. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. We got a lot going on, man, from the NBA playoffs to, of course, the what we learned today about the death of uh, Junior Seau, uh, a lot going on. And, of course, that started the show in a pretty somber moment. Uh, yeah, I was sitting by the news uh, about Junior Seau today. Uh, I was pretty shocked, Rodney. Uh, it's unfortunate it happened. He was uh, he's pretty much the, franchise, the face of the franchise for San Diego. Yeah, he was. I mean, he played 13 years with the San Diego Chargers, and today – at the age of 43, uh, they found him this morning uh, shot to death at his home, apparently a gunshot wound uh, to the chest. And now they're investigating this whole thing as a possible uh, suicide, which I think is a surprise not just to me, but I think to all sports fans alike. And, you know, uh, he had, a, a, as you know, a luxurious career with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, you know, he was uh, also uh, – inducted into the Hall of Fame for the San Diego Chargers. And he's from that area, Rodney. He'll be really missed. It's a big loss to the football world. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are shocked. But uh, I thought he was a great athlete, great football player, and he will be missed. Uh, Unfortunately, he won't make it into the Hall of Fame. And I think he would have made that uh, had he still been alive. Yeah, I think he'll still get a chance to get in there, Um, even though, of course, he won't be there to – being inducted itself. A lot of reaction from players and fans alike, so if you guys like to call in and give your reaction about the Junior Seau, we're more than welcome to call us, 323-927-2906. Of course, you can always download our show and stay in contact with us online, but also on iTunes. So go to iTunes and do a search for RF Sports Radio, and there you can download our show as we do those twice a week. Uh, so we encourage you guys to do that and also follow us on Twitter. If you're interested in having our show posted on your website or want to do any sponsorship opportunities with us, we welcome those as well by emailing us at rfsportsradio at gmail.com. Let's stay on the subject of the NFL, Royce, uh, and talk a little bit about what happened since the last time we were on, which we the NFL draft, of course, happened. And we've got a little reaction going on with that as well, too. You know, first I want to start out with, what happened in Washington, D.C. You got RG3 gets drafted number two overall. Well-deserved, of course. I wrote a little story about this on the website. And then they go down in the fourth round and draft uh, Kirk Cousins. And a lot of people are saying, oh, well, why would they do something like this? They're trying to start this kind of quarterback controversy for RG3. 
They're going to mess him up mentally. And my reaction to that was if he cannot outplay Kirk Cousins, then he doesn't deserve to be a star. And, you know, Rodney, for once I have to agree with you on that. Uh, I was, like many other people, were surprised by that. I thought, uh, you know, what's going on? Is there going to be going to be a controversy? But uh, they, I think our DT, our Robert Griffin's job is to lose. Uh, I think he does have a starting job, but uh, I think they're planning something for the future. You know, Washington doesn't have a great reputation with quarterbacks. Yeah, they don't, and I think that's the whole point for why they want to draft a guy. And, and I said this in the article, they, they want to draft a guy that's young, that's got a lot of talent, they can kind of learn and develop in their system of, of the offense that they want to run. So it's a seamless transition if RG3 does get hurt. Now, RG3 is a great passer. He, he knows how to throw in the pocket, throws a great deep ball, but he will take off and run. And he's not that big big guy. He's not, he's not built like Tebow. It's going to take a lot of punishment. If you're going to have a guy that's going to put himself out there to possibly get hurt, you want to have a backup that can fit in the system that you have groomed to be the backup. They've tried the whole veteran quarterback route, Rex Roseman, Patrick Ramsey, which they did draft him. But also, you know, they tried with Donovan McNabb last year, and that turned into a failure as well. They're trying to kind of follow that mode and that model of, you know, you look at the Green Bay Packers who drafted Aaron Rodgers while Britt Favre was there and groomed him. Even Aaron Rodgers, was, when he was a quarterback, they drafted Matt Flynn. And Matt Flynn has gone on to get a big contract from the Seattle Seahawks. And then you look at teams like the Patriots. You know, as much as I don't like the Patriots, but they've done a good job of bringing in young, talented quarterbacks to groom them in the system. You look at Matt Castle taking over for uh, – Tom Brady, when he went down, they go 11-5, and five, although they missed the playoffs. Castle gets paid the next following year. He goes to Kansas City, and right now they got a backup at Ryan Mallett, who's young, and can go in there and run that offense just like Tom Brady can. So I think it's good business by the Washington Redskins to go ahead and bring in another young quarterback with a lot of talent. That way they can groom him in that same system. And, you know, Ronnie, we may start seeing a trend in the NFL. Now that you mentioned that, look what happened in Indianapolis. Uh, when Peyton Manning went down, they were left with nobody. And I think it's pretty wise choice on Washington's part. And like I said, I think they're banking on the future. Uh, but uh, I think Robert Griffin does have the job. And uh, it's really not a bad choice. Uh, they they need something on offense. Yeah, they do. They definitely do. Uh, let me, let's go through some of the draft winners and losers, as, as you see it. I, for my draft winners, I've got two teams. Well, actually, three. I've got uh, – well, I say that, too. Let me go back. I've got the okay. uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought they won. They picked up two offensive linemen that are going to come in and right and start right away. They get David DeCastro, who they thought was going to go in the first uh, ten picks. They ended up being able to get him in the late in the first round. They come back and get another offensive uh, lineman. That's going to help them out tremendously. And in Pittsburgh, he's a kind of blue-collar kind of guy, hard-working kind of guy. And also, as much as I hate to say it, but the Patriots, you know, able to draft back like they did and pick up two defensive players to help that defense and finish out, uh, what, 31st or 32nd in the league last year, although they went to the Super Bowl, they get two pass rushers. And I don't know how they're able to pull that off. You know, they get a guy from Alabama, they get another guy that everyone thought was going to go a lot earlier, and some kind of reason they always – 
seem to want to collect picks, and they decided this year we're going to go out the players that we need because we need them right now. We need someone that can help us right away, and they were able to do that. And you have to be right. These are two uh, impact players that can come in right away and really help the team. Uh, I thought Pittsburgh did a great job, too. Uh, New England, of course, did very well. But I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, one of your, your favorite teams. I, I thought mm-hmm. they did very well in the draft. They addressed it, a lot of needs that they they had in defense, and I thought they did a you know typical Jerry Jones. We've seen them do this before the draft, move up uh, to get Dez Bryant, but for him to move up to the number six spot and take uh, Morris Claiborne, I thought was uh, I thought that was a pretty good move on Dallas Cowboys' part. I thought that was a great move. After round one, I, I was cool. We already know that the Cowboys don't draft very well, and, and that's the only right. reason why I can't give them a, a all the way around A grade. I give them a B plus. I mean, they go up, they get Maurice Claiborne. I, I, I get that, but they gave up a second round pick, and you know okay. the Cowboys have a lot of holes. You know they have to fill those holes, and I did some research and look back and. Over the last 18 years, they have they don't have not one player they drafted from the third to the seventh round that's ever been a starter for them, ever. In the last that, that, 18 years, they've had 91 picks in the last 18 years, and no one they've drafted under Jerry Jones has been a starter that was drafted in the third to the seventh round. And, again, this year I think they didn't draft anyone that could come in and help them. And, you know, Rocky, right now you can look at any team. When you get up to the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you, you're taking a chance anyway because everybody's looking for the next Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you know, that, that was, he maybe went in the fourth or fifth round, and, you know, to typically be a starter or even a star. But uh, I thought they did pretty good because, you know, they didn't pick in the second round. They did get to pick in the third, and they had two picks in the fourth round. I thought, that, you know, he took a defensive end in the third round, Tyrone Crawford from Boise State. In the fourth round, they went and took an offensive linebacker and a safety. And I thought that yeah, was defensive pretty good. linebacker. Took, right. And uh, they took a safety. And uh, this guy is real physical tackle, man. He feels, you know, flies to the ball. He's a good, you know, good reactions. Talking about Matt uh, Johnson. I thought that was a pretty good pick. But, uh, you know, like I said, when you get in the fourth and fifth and sixth, seventh, you're really taking a risk and taking a chance on a player anyway. Most of those guys are not typically starters, but, you know, they don't pan out to be much. Well, and that's the thing. You know, if you look at the teams that have consistently been good, consistently, teams that consistently make the playoffs, always in the running. I'm talking about franchises like the Philadelphia Eagles. New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Indianapolis Colts before Peyton Manning got hurt. All these guys do a good job of finding that hidden talent in that third to the seventh round. I mean, if you look at their team, they comprise of people that they that they hit on. I mean, and, and I think the, the problem with I think the problem that Jerry Jones has always had, although I love him, the problem I think he's always had is that they don't draft a certain type of player. Right. You know, when you think about the New, the New York Giants, who won two Super Bowls in the last four years, they draft defensive linemen. You know, they go after the top defensive line because that's, that's their scheme. We're going to rush the passer. We're now looking for the Maurice Claibornes and 
the flashy guys. We're going to draft the most defensive linemen we can because we're going to hit on some of them. Think about Pittsburgh. You have guys that have a certain type of character in them. You know, they're blue-collar guys. They draft them. So it, it, it's kind of like, you know, the the Cowboys don't have, okay, I want this type of player because we, we're this type of football team. Jerry's always going to go out to the sexy <laughs> pick, and the sexy pick was to move up to six to get more of his And you're absolutely right, Rodney. Another thing, he does have his hand in a lot of drafting, and I, which I always thought he shouldn't have been a part of. Now, they hadn't been very successful in the draft. You're absolutely right. But, you know, we're talking about 250 prospects trying to fill 32 teams, man. You know, that that's a lot of players. And, uh, yeah, but over the last said, 18 years, you haven't had not right. one be a yeah, starter. Well, they don't have a good I mean, track. They don't have, they don't have a good track record of drafting. I would say that they, they aren't. But uh, my understanding, my sources tell me that they're going to have at least 20 free agents in training camp. You know, so maybe out of those 20 free agents, they can get maybe three or four good guys out of that, potential starters or superstars. Are the 20 free agents? I would hope so. I mean, you know I'm hoping they do. Don't yeah, that's, wrong, why I say that's, why I, that's why I give them a high grade because they did address some of the needs in the draft. Uh, they did pick up some people in free agency. And, you know, this this is not like me to speak good on the Cowboys, but, you know, 20 free agents showing up at training camp? They're trying. I guess, I guess that's all you can three. say is they're trying. Right. They, they, so this, right. this effort this year, I see a little bit of improvement in this effort. And they, they, they got the best, you know, that was available at the time. You know, they, didn't, they didn't have high draft picks. But I thought they did a good job uh, for drafting uh, what was available. My losers in the draft, I got one particular t- well, two particular teams I think really lost in the draft. Really, I didn't understand what they were doing, and that had to be the Seattle Seahawks. They get Matt Flynn a huge deal to come in and play quarterback, and then they end up drafting a guy from West Virginia. I can't think of the guy's name, but he's a one-down player. He only plays on pass rushing downs, undersized guy. All he can do is rush the pass on third down. Then they take their next pick, and they pick Russell uh, um, Russell Wilson from uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, right. The quarterback from Wisconsin, the guy's five ten, men him the same height, and and he's and he's not going to play quarterback. No one thinks he can play quarterback in the NFL. If they've got Matt Flynn, Russell Wilson, and and Tavares Jackson on that team for quarterbacks, and, well, you know, you Pete, know Carroll always, Pete Carroll always wants these. He wants these college type guys. I I, I don't understand it. He, he thinks he's at USC again. I guess. Well, well, you know what? I'm going to give Pete Carroll the benefit of the doubt uh, because last year they put together, you know, they made the playoffs. And nobody – Not last year. That was year before last. Year before last. Year before last. The playoffs. The playoffs first but they had, a chance to make, they had a chance to make the playoffs this year. They were in contention. And I thought he put together it's a group of – Not saying much no, in that division. So. Okay, <laughs> but I'm saying a group of no names. And I saw a lot of – they had a lot of good talent on that team. And, I, you know, I'm going to give him a couple of years through the draft to build a team he wants. And, you know, he inherited the team anyway. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to even give him a grade this year. I'm going to wait and grade him next year. Yeah, if you say so. I mean, I, I just didn't I, I, I mean, like he, that. He has to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. 
I, you know what? This is this is. I think this is going to be it for him. He keeps drafting these college type guys that don't really translate to the to the NFL. But he may hit on something that we don't know. I also think a big lose in the draft had to be the Cincinnati Bengals, who for some reason took two players in the draft, both tested positive for marijuana at the at the combine. And, and you think think about it is you know you're going to the combine, you know they're going to test you. You know they're going to test you when you get there, and yet they take two guys that tested positive at the combine. Well, right now I don't have an answer for that one. I, well, I, I will say that. Are you surprised uh, Cincinnati, you know, seeing what they've been through the last couple of years, uh, you know, I, I really don't know what's going on in Cincinnati. I thought, you know, uh, you know they, they 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 don't surprise me at all because I think that franchise is this way. I think Marvin Lewis is on his way out after this year. And, uh, you know, they, they, they're a strange team. I, I can't, can't put my thing on them. It's don't the weirdest agree? thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's a strange yeah. team. <laughs> Yeah, it's strange. They, they, they take everybody in the field does it once. They took Tank Johnson, they took Pac-Man. Uh, right. They take the weirdest players, and and they they're doing it, it again, drafting two players. And, they, and of course, they made the, they made the playoffs last year. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's what's so weird about it, you know, because when you expect them to win, and, and even when they had a great team, they couldn't do anything with it. The thing with Carson Palmer last year, you know, and, and uh, Marvin Lewis still there every year. His job is threatened. You know, they're talking about he, he won't be there next year. And it's such a weird franchise that uh, I don't think they know what's going on. No, I don't think so either. And, and, and it brings me to my next point, Royce. When, when you're drafting in the draft, okay, you always hear, you know, this guy's going to follow the draft because of off-the-field issues. This guy's got uh, a character issue, you know, but he's super talented. You know, look at uh, Janoris Jenkins, who the Rams took a chance on. This guy should have been the number one cornerback in the league, but gets kicked off the team in Florida, has to go to North Alabama. They say he's got all the talent, you know, way more talent than a lot of the players in the draft, but has to fall down in the draft because of his off-the-field issues. When you're drafting players, how important is the character stuff? I mean, do you want to go straight for the talent, or, or should you really take this stuff into consideration? Well, talent doesn't always turn into common sense. You know, just because a guy's talented doesn't mean that he's the smartest guy. He may just be a good athlete. Uh, and he, we have to remember that these are college kids, right? And, you know, you went to college, it's a wild time in your life, uh, and I know these guys make mistakes. And, and you know, they, they're young guys. you, you got to remember between 18 and 21, uh, you know, just think about the things you've done as an 18 or 21-year-old. You know, and this time of college, you know, it's it's can they make the transition to the NFL and can they leave that stuff behind once they enter into the NFL? You know, that's the big question. But you you know, you really can't uh be too hard on a youngster. You know, we talk like I said, college kids. You know, and they do make mistakes. And I, I, you know, that's and I think you hit the nail on the head, you know. I, I think it really comes down to what kind of team do you have? Do you have strong guys in the locker room right. that can take these guys and, and show them how to do it? You know, if I'm drafting a, a knucklehead wide receiver, do I have a veteran wide receiver that can 
help him, you know, along the way. If I'm driving a knucklehead cornerback, do I have a veteran secondary player that can really help this guy and that wants to help the guy? I think that's important, too. And do I have a coaching staff that's been known to take players like that and turn them into superstars, you know? You gotta have that. You gotta have that element too. You just talked about uh, Mo Claiborne, who the Cowboys drafted, and he scored a four on the Wonderlink test. And when they asked him, that's the lowest score anyone's ever scored on the Wonderlink test. And then they asked him about it. He said, "You know what? When I took it, it wasn't football related. It didn't have football questions on it, so I blew it off." And a lot of people well, look well, at that and say, well, "You know what? That's a character flaw." Well, Rodney, we know uh, <laughs> football guys aren't always the smartest guys. They're not the most studious guys. Every once in a while, you find one that's pretty studious, but they're not. And, uh, you know, most of their life, they, they've been pushed through because they are athletes. And uh, they, they stayed on and maintained, took some of the minor courses just to pass, just keep up a grade for an average. But, uh, you know, the NFL, I will say this, they do have things in place for these guys that are trouble. You know, they have a program to teach them how to do uh, finances, how to act out in public, how to carry itself as an NFL player. And I think that's that's what the good thing is about the NFL. They do have those programs in place. But ultimately, it's up to the guy to uh, grow up. You know, college is over with. You're in the working force of the world. You're, you're a pro athlete, and you should act like one and carry yourself like one. And you're right. Uh, they, some of the older players need to mentor these guys because we've seen a lot of players get in trouble, you know, and I, I could talk about Des Bryant. You know, he, he had a lot of off-the-field problems with the Cowboys. And uh, is he going to turn his stuff around? You know, yeah, that's, that's, like that's I said, point. Right. And, you know, like I said, the NFL has these things in, in place, but ultimately it's up to the player to, to make that adjustment. And, you know, like I said, what they did in, in college, I, I don't penalize them for that. But uh, some people just aren't going to change no matter what. We've seen that in the NFL, too. And, of course, the other news in the NFL, of course, the big story is the Saints. Uh, finally, the NFL and Roger Goodell has decided to go ahead and issue out some punishment now to the players. They suspended four players for the Saints, including uh, Jonathan Vilma, who is going to be banned for an entire season. And wow. From, from the that, reports that, that we're hearing. That's hard. That's, that's hard. hard. And the reports that we're hearing – the reason why Bill has been suspended for a whole year because he actually was a part of orchestrating this whole thing with Greg Williams, even going as far as to offer up $10,000 for taking out Kurt Warner in the playoff game, which we've heard so much about, and right. also doing it again in 2009 on their way to a Super Bowl championship when they took out Brett Favre and basically ended his career at the time, too. Uh, other players, I think he other collected players, on that one, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Brett Favre I mean, is done. He, I mean, his career was over after that yeah, game. Some, somebody collected on that one, for sure. Other players suspended but, are going to be defensive lineman Anthony Hargrove, uh, who is now with the Green Bay Packers. He's going to be suspended for half the season uh, for eight games. Saints defensive end who plays for the Saints now, Will Smith, has been suspended for four games. Uh, linebacker Scott Fujita, who is now with the Cleveland Browns, will miss the first uh, three games. And, you know, it, 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 what, what's kind of funny is this is what Vilma had to say. He says, I'm shocked and extremely disappointed by the NFL's decision to suspend me for the 2012 season. 
Commissioner Roger Goodell has refused to share any of the supposed evidence he claims supports this unprecedented punishment. The reason is clear. I never paid or intended to pay $10,000 or any amount of money to any player for knocking Kurt Warner, Brett Favre, or any other player out of the 2009 Divisional Playoff game, the 2010 NFC, NFC Championship game, or any other game. I never set out to intentionally hurt any player and never entice any teammate to intentionally hurt another player as well. I also never put my money into a bounty pool or help to create a bounty pool intended to pay out money for injuring other players. That's his quote that he's issued. But apparently they had over 300 emails, okay, that people were passing back and forth between players, coaches, people outside of the Saints organization. They had to have something on file for for a uh, punishment this severe. Well, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of evidence has come out. I hadn't seen everything that came out on the subject, but I, I will say that's equivalent to SMU death penalty, man. What this team has been through this uh, this past offseason, man, I, I have never seen it before in the NFL. Uh, the commissioner is serious. I, I, I think he's tired of these. You know, we just talked about these players off the field, and I, I think he's tired of, of, uh, of where this uh, NFL is headed. And he's going to wrangle it back his way. Uh, it's a harsh punishment. You know, these guys need to deal with it. All the evidence is there that it happened. We heard the recording. Uh, but we never know the truth until somebody really stands up and tells the truth. But uh, I, I I think the guys, if you get to take your punishment like a man, uh, how worse can it be for the saints? And, uh, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but... The, the, that's how, that's the rules. You know, well, they you broke ask, the rules. It's just uh, like gambling. It's just like gambling on your team. You know, right. to me, it's equivalent to gambling. And it's you know, funny so. that you say. It's funny that you ask what else could get worse for the Saints. Because me and you have talked about this since this first came out. And just last week, we were talking about the Saints uh, GM Mickey Loomis having a some kind of listening device in his booth where he could listen right. to the opposing players. They came out last week. This week you have the suspension of the actual players. And then also today we find out that this deal that Drew Brees and Tom Benson are supposed to be close to signing and Mickey Loomis is close right. to signing is so far apart that they don't know if it's going to get done in time to start the season. And, and right. you know what? I cautioned you. I said it yes, was when he first yes, came yes, out. You, I, you know what? You watch what happens with Drew Brees. He is really thinking very long and hard about how committed he is to the Saints organization. Because if you think about it, if they were doing this, Drew Brees is a quarterback. These values were placed on other quarterbacks, his fellow colleagues. And don't you think that these other players in the league that play for these Viking teams and Arizona Cardinal teams and even last year said they had a bounty out on Cam Newton, do you think these guys are not going to be gunning for Drew Brees when he gets in that backfield? I mean, he's a quarterback, yeah. too. But, you know, Rodney, you, you're probably right. And I think Drew Brees is starting to have second thoughts uh, about the Saints. You know, you, you don't have a head coach. Uh, <laughs> you have a coaching suspended. You have players suspended. The team's been fined. The team's been disgraced. Uh, center of attention. I, you know, of course, I would have second thoughts, too. Uh, Drew Brees could pretty much write his own ticket and go play anywhere. Because I'm pretty sure if there are tons of teams that, that would take him in a minute. 
But I, I, I think he's having second thoughts. I never thought it would happen. I thought I, I didn't know this widespread, this big, and we still don't know if this is the end of it. So uh, I would have some reservations about signing a contract with them too because uh, this really, like I said, is the death penalty almost for this franchise. It is. And, and, and if Drew Brees doesn't sign there, it will be the death penalty for that franchise. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Ron. I, I do believe that. I never thought in a million years, and I did question you on that, I will admit. I thought you were just a <laughs> saint hater. Uh, but uh, uh, there may be some truth to what you said. It may be. It may very well be. Let's jump to the NBA. Again, you can follow us online by going to rfsportsradio.com or following us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. Also, download us on iTunes by searching for RF Sports Radio. Again, if you want to get in contact with the show, send us an email, rfsportsradio at gmail.com. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs. First of all, man, you had a chance to experience Loud City for ourselves uh, when, when we went to Oklahoma on last Saturday for game one of the Mavericks Thunder Series. And and I'm so glad we had a chance to go because that was an epic game in what I think is going to be a very epic battle between uh, two Western Conference teams. So that series now at 2-0, and me and you are both close to the Mavericks. You followed them all season. We travel with them as well. My my only question for you before we start this discussion about the Mavericks and the Thunder, sir, is is this series over? Does Dallas even have a chance to get back in it? Well, I, it's not over till it's over right now. I will say that. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks must win Thursday night. Uh, it's a much harder ho- hole to climb out of, uh, down 3-0. and uh, There's one statistic that, that, that caught my attention, that uh, usually the team that loses the first game loses the series 78% of the time. That That's not a good sign for the Mavericks. But, of course, now, having said that, I've seen this team come back from an 0-2 deficit before and uh, win the series. I wouldn't count them out just yet because both of these games were awfully close. Could have went either way. The Mavericks could have easily been up 2-0 and on the Oklahoma City Thunder. These teams are very much alike, very similar. It's going to be a dog fight. I hope the Mavericks have the heart of the champion and win Thursday night and come back and win this game and really make a series out of it. But what I've seen so far is uh, they just been one step behind the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know what, though? I think I think they've played well enough to win at times. You know, and, and, and I think game one and game two, although they were both close. Well, they should have won game, game two. Yeah, the, well, they, well, were, both, they were up both, seven. Both games, both games are totally different to me, though. Game one, they were up by seven, like you said, but about three minutes left to go. That was the game that should have won. Jason Terry had a good game. Jason Kidd was playing like he was 21 again. Right. They were getting some production from Mahimi. You know, they were able to kind of get everything going. They had the lead before Durant hits that lucky shot, the luckiest shot I've ever seen. And I'm glad I had a chance to witness, but the luckiest bounce was a guy that couldn't even see the rim. Uh, but that was the game I thought they really played their best and could have won. Game two was a totally different game to me because the only person I saw playing like they wanted to win was Dirk. 
He was the only one I thought played like he wanted to win. Jason Terry wasn't giving us anything. Vince Carter kept shooting the ball. And, and why he kept shooting the ball, I have no idea. Jason Terry was missing shots that he normally hits. Didn't like he was in the game. Committing fouls, like that foul he committed against Kevin Durant with 2.6 left on the shot clock. You know, it was the errors like that that really made me upset. And 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 Dirk was out there fighting by himself. He's pushing yeah, Kevin yeah, Perkins, yeah. he's pushing Serge yeah. Ibaka, and now You're one right. of those players, and I'm going to call them all out, now one of them stepped up and got, got in anybody's face or put Dirk – put Durant on the ground, put Westbrook on the ground. No one decided to do anything but Dirk in a physical fa- fashion. And, and you, uh, right now, I have to agree with you. Uh, having said that, you know, at the beginning of this series, I did state that the Cowboys would go as far as Dirk Nowitzki is willing to carry them the on Mavericks, his back. The Mavericks, right. And, and he, and, right. And, and you mean the Dirk Mavericks, not the Cowboys. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we talk Cowboys and Mavericks, but you understand what I mean. As far as they, as far as he can carry the Mavericks on his back, you know, they're nothing without Dirk. We saw that in the playoffs last year. Dirk Nowitzki took this team on his back and carried them to a championship, and 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 he has to do that this year because he's not getting the help from like say Jason Terry, Vince Carter, some of the other players. And, and and I do have to question Carlisle's decision. You know, I heard him say all year it's all about matchups. I think he's losing the matchup battle because uh, he's not utilizing his bench. Uh, last year, the bench was crucial in winning the championship. And and if you look at Oklahoma City, uh, the first game, that bench was awful. But second game, I mean, they got like 40 points out of the bench. So the bench is important. I had seen Dallas utilize the bench, and I I got to put a lot of that on Carlisle because he finally put Roddy in the game, in the second game. I thought Roddy should have played a lot more minutes, and I think he left Haywood in there a little bit too long. Behemoth is more physical to play with these young Oklahoma City Thunder team. So, uh, you know, I, I got to give some of the blame on Carlisle. You know, the Carlisle, and we and me, you talked about this before we came on the air, Call out to me and also Mark Cuban, Donnie Nelson, that front office get so much blame if they lose this series. So much blame. And it all started in the offseason when Mark Cuban decided not to keep Tyson Chandler, who ironically won Defensive Player of the Year. Yes, right. They would have been up 2-0 in this series had he been on this team. Him, his decision not to bring the team back the way it was to go to legitimately go for another title, and it's all gonna blow up in his face if they lose in round one. They go back to being the one and done team, and then they don't get a chance to sign Darren Williams in the off season like they planned on somehow miraculously pulling Darren Williams and Dwight Howard in here to play with Dirk, and, and the and the egg is gonna be on their face when it happens. It, and you have to they ain't going to be on their face if it happens. And what I'm expecting to see tomorrow night when we go to the American Airlines Center, I want to see them win a game. I expect them to win game uh, three and game four. I think they have to win both games at home immediately to even have a chance to win this series. Well, Ronnie, they have to play like champions. I mean, you know, you, you are the NBA champ. You have to play like champs. And you're absolutely right. The blame does go to the front office and Mark Cuban. Uh, I, from the beginning, I call this lockout ball. 
this has been such a weird <coughs> excuse me season so far this year, and and for the Mavericks, you know, not only did they get rid of Tyson Chandler, Stevenson, Corey Brewer, uh, you know, they they let those guys go. Karan Butler, I mean, you, you had a championship team, you had the championship chemistry, you had the players in place to go win multiple championships, and and you you get get out of the way. I had seen that since they let Michael Jordan go with the Bulls. <laughs> Somebody does a stupid thing like that. But uh, this was a throwaway year for the Mavericks. I think the collective bargaining and salary cap had a lot of effect on Mark Cuban. You know, they had one of the high-paid rosters and uh, payrolls out there. And I, I don't know his financial situation, but I thought that was, a, you know, why not go back and win multiple championships with a championship team, I, you know, I don't, I don't understand that. But having said that, they take a lot of blame for that. And the experiment that they tried this year, I really don't understand bringing in Lamar Odom, which turned out to be a, a bust. Uh, Vince Carter, which nobody really wants around the, the league. He's been bounced around. Uh, and uh, the only thing I saw good coming out of this year was picking up Delonte West. He does pick up some of the slack for Jason Kidd. But uh, I thought Riley was going to be the guy. I hadn't seen that this year. Carlisle's blame for not getting him right. ready to be a bigger contributor in the playoffs because he didn't play him that much this year. Yeah, and, and then they go get Yee, which we know nothing about because we hadn't seen him play. And uh, the only bright spot I see out of this year is Brandon Wright. So what, so what happens game three and game four? Well, I, I tell you what, if the Mavericks don't win Thursday night, you, you can count them out. And uh, you shouldn't be surprised because it's not the first time they went out in the first round. But I don't think this team has it. Uh, there are three out of the five starters still on the floor. I hadn't seen them play like champions. And that that's what I want them to see Thursday night. I want them to see the champions, Dallas Mavericks, on the floor. Well, we're going to find out. We'll be there live and in person tomorrow night at the American Airlines season, uh, arena, excuse me, to talk about or see what's going to happen with the Mavericks season, what happens going forward. Let's jump into a couple other playoff series and let's talk about those real quick. San Antonio Spurs tonight take a 2-0 lead against the Utah Jazz, beating the Jazz giving them their worst loss of the season, beat them 114 to 83. I think we, in our previous show we did with Derek Page and HoopsWorld.com, we all agreed this is pretty much going to be a sweep series, so no surprises there. And, and uh, to me, San Antonio is the scariest team out there. Uh, Greg Popovich winning Coach of the Year. I, he didn't win it for, for no reason. You know, he, there's a reason for that. He's a great coach. He has a great team, great group, group of guys, and he really coached these guys. You know, they were 24 and, what, 9? I mean, 12 and 9 at the beginning of the season. And the rest of the season, they only lost seven games. I, I mean, that says a lot about this team. They, You know, 50-win season, it's about, what, their 13th year in a row. Uh, so, I mean, they have all the pieces in place. Yeah, they are a very scary team, and, and they got a pretty easy road to get to the Western Conference Finals as well, too. Other division, other series in the West, of course, the Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. Lakers on top of this series 2-0. Uh, 
uh, winning both games at home. I expected that to happen. I think that Bynum is playing great. Kobe had 38 points last night. I think there's no stopping the Lakers. I, I can see them actually sweeping the Nuggets. And uh, they will have an early vacation. They'll have time to rest, uh, waiting on the next opponent. It's pretty much over with. Uh, and, of course, the Clippers and the Memphis Grizzlies, who are still playing uh, right now as we're recording the show, Memphis is up 97-86. And, and historically, you know, we've had such a great playoff so far. But the Clippers coming back from 27 down to get that win in game one. And, and right now, even now, the Memphis Grizzlies are doing everything they can to hold them off and, and get a win. But, but you know, a lot of people I've talked to and heard from that, I've covered the NBA a lot longer than, than I have, and, and you watch the NBA longer than I have. Ever seen a team come back from 27 down in the playoffs like that in the fourth quarter? I, I never have, Rodney. I, I've seen great comebacks, but that by far, you know, I, I had actually went to bed. <laughs> and I, I'm for sure I'm not the only one because I thought this series was over with. And I, it was a the next day that you told me that they won, I had to go back and see the highlights. Couldn't believe it. Fantastic play. Uh, I think Memphis just kind of gave up second half or uh, thought they had won a game. They quit playing. But, uh, I, you know, I think this series is going to go seven games. Uh, I don't think Memphis is going to lay down and just uh, let the Clippers run all over. So this by far would be one of the closest series. Yeah, I think so. I think it will be a close series. But we may have an update on that game before we get off the air. And the Eastern Conference, how wild has the Eastern Conference been up until this point? I mean, you got the Bulls who lose Derrick Rose for the rest of the year on the uh, torn ACL. They lose to the Philadelphia 76ers uh, last night, uh, and they just look like a shell of themselves and trying to kind of, you know, finally figure out, hey, Rose is not going to be here. Although they, although they are a good team, though they played a, they played good without Derrick Rose, but now right. they're tied the one one with they tied one one with Philadelphia with with the game with the uh, series going back to Philadelphia. How do you see that going? Well, I, I think Philadelphia has momentum now. Uh, uh, Chicago showed their hand uh, this past game. They don't have anybody to pick up the slack for Derrick Rose. Uh, Carlos Boozer has to play better. Uh, Lou Dang didn't have a great game, but I, I think Philly is too athletic. Uh, these guys like to get out and run. They have a lot of great shooters on their team. Doug Collins has done a great job. So uh, I, I think uh, Philadelphia is taking them. But uh, I, I tell I you what, the Bulls it's, it's, back. I think the Bulls I, are bounce back and they'll get back I, in it. I, 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 I see going six games, but I got to get a nod to Philadelphia. But but the one thing about it. It's wide open for Miami right now with, uh, uh, you know, Hawks having uh, Josh Smith down, uh, Chicago with Derrick Rose. And I, I think it's just for it's for Miami to lose right now. It's wide open for Miami. Well, let's talk about Miami series. Of course, they're up 2-0 against the New York Knicks. And, and the strangest thing, again, the Eastern Conference, like you said, is being everyone's getting laid down. So, he can have an easy road to get there. Mario Stoudemire, after game two's loss, you know, took it upon himself to uh, get into a fist fight with a fire extinguisher case and uh, cuts his hand to where he's going to be out for game uh, three. How that? that? that it's got to be one of the dumbest, 
moves in sports history <laughs> ever. It goes One back to what we say, Rodney. History ever. That, but 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 I think the silver lining to that is I think they played they have over this season played better with the Mars Sotomayor out of yeah, the lineup. Right. And I think I think they come back and they win game three. I don't think they win the series, but that that atmosphere at the garden and Carmelo on the stage and you know how he is and what he did in game two, he basically tried to win it by himself. Now he's going to have no one to stop him. There's going to be no other option on the floor that needs to touch the ball but Carmelo Anthony, especially with Iman Shumpert out and with Amar Stoudemire out. I think they I think they may sneak game three. I, and you know, you're absolutely right. I think they played better without a Stoudemire. Uh, they did win games without him. Carmelo Anthony was a featured uh, superstar on that team. I don't think Stoudemire made the adjustment back in, you know, with with the flow of the game, with the team, and how they were playing. And I think it really did hurt them. Uh, I, I think it'd be a better series. I do give, see, uh, New York winning maybe one game. Uh, but it all depends on Carmelo Anthony. These superstars have to step up and carry the team. LeBron has to carry Miami. Kobe has to carry the Lakers. Uh Kevin Durant has to carry Oklahoma City, you know, and uh, Derrick Rose is not there in Chicago. But somebody, I, who's there to carry the team? So I think it's wide open for Miami. I do think the Knicks may win one game, but uh, it, it depends on uh, Kamala Anthony. Let's jump to the other two series before we go. Indiana leads their series 2-1 after beating beating the Orlando Magic tonight, 97-74. to Of course, this is the worst loss that the Magic have ever had on their home floor tonight, getting beat like they did. They were able to sneak away with their game one. I think game one was kind of like the pace is kind of, okay, we're in the playoffs now. we we, we right. got a good team now. They kind of got shell right. shocked. But they're going to beat Orlando handily and end this series pretty quick. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was an eye-opener. I, I did think they took Orlando for granted, uh, but they were shocked, shocked that they, they got beat, and I'm pretty sure you were too. A lot of other people, we thought that they had the easiest road. But it was a good wake-up call for Indiana because they came back and played a lot better. Yeah, they definitely played a lot better. And, of course, last series in the East, the Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics, a series that – going to be a lot closer than what I thought it would be. I thought this would be, a, you know, could go either way. Of course, Rajon Rondo was suspended for game two, but Paul Pierce comes through in the clutch with 36 points, puts the team on his back, and they win. Celtics with no Ray Allen, but, of course, Rajon Rondo comes back for game three. We find out today that Josh Smith has got a sprained tendon in his knee, but it's day-to-day, and I think by saying it's day-to-day, he's going to play in the playoffs. I expect him to be there how effective he is. I don't know. Uh, Hawks are going to need Joe Johnson to step up. Uh, they're going to need George Teague to step up. They're going to need some guys to kind of come, Jeff Teague to step up. They're going to need some guys to really come in there and play if they're going to have a chance to get the Celtics. But I think the Celtics are gaining momentum. They go back to Boston. I think they win game three and may just win game four as well, too. And, you know, uh, we talked about Cincinnati, Atlanta Hawks, or the Cincinnati Bengals of the NBA I can't quite figure this team out. They have a lot of two good superstars on that team, but they can't seem to make it, you know, past the first, second round. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.